Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newly branded VAR and Manchester United podcast. As always, <laughs> my name is Rory. Uh, welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory, how are you doing? Yes, we were blessed with lots of VAR action, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that, as well as Man United again collapsing in Copenhagen. Their fans Co- can't Copenhagen with it, can they, <laughs> yeah. at the moment? Uh, but more importantly, mate, how are you doing this fine evening? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, Arsenal finally won a game, so that's nice. Uh, you don't want to be doing three <laughs> games losing in a row. Two is is enough, I think. Yes. Basta with two. So, yeah, it was nice to get back to winning ways. It was fairly comfortable, to be honest. And because of the delay to the Manchester United game, I got to enjoy the last 15 minutes of that as well. So, yeah, not bad. Um, how are we doing? Yeah, no, I was um, really enjoying the football, I think it has to be said. A lot of question marks, a lot of uh, kind of groups almost decided it has to be said as well. So I'm sure we'll be going through that. But we've also got to preview the upcoming Serie A fixtures as well as the Premier League. Some juicy ties, including the Derby, the Italia or Capitale even, sorry. I'm thinking too far ahead, too far ahead, sorry. But not quite yet, not quite yet. But yes, uh, I cannot look or wait to look forward to those games as well. So uh, let's dive into it. It's going to be a banger. So yeah, we are going to be talking all Champions League action, the state of the groups, who's in, who's out, um, how much we can laugh at Manchester United. We're going to be doing a little bit of Europa League as the games are still going on now, but a few Mm. results have come in. Uh, We'll be doing a little bit of, uh, sorry, the Cool Kids Club and the Even Cooler Kids Club. It's been a while since we've used our uh, specially branded names for the Europa Conference League. Um, We'll do a little bit of roundup there. And then we will preview the Premier League and Serie A weekends. Some massive fixtures, as Adam did say. So we are going to go for a very quick break. And after this, we will see you on the other side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. 
How we doing? Welcome back, and it is time to talk about the Champions League. Another cracking, cracking round of fixtures. Lots of goals. English teams slash British teams not doing very well. A lot of mm. L's on the board. Um, but let's start on Tuesday, Adam. Let's start with the early kickoff. Let's start in Germany, in Dortmund, as full Krug scores. Um, the kind of one of the one of the glory happy stories from the World Cup, right? It's great to see him yeah. still kind of semi-killing it in Dortmund. Um, him getting the opener and Julian Brandt with a great composed finish mm. towards the end on the break to give Dortmund the 2-0 win. It puts Newcastle bottom of the group. My prediction, a bit in the mud, but this group is very, mm. very tight. What did you think of this performance from Newcastle and from Dortmund? I think Dortmund might look like the most coherent team in this group so far. At, yeah, at the moment, they seem uh, the most sensible option out of this group, don't they? And they are proving everyone wrong. I think pretty much most pundits or people had them to finish bottom. I certainly did. I didn't think we would see this performance, especially when you consider the back set of what happened over the weekends. They got demolished by Bayern Munich to then kind of pull this performance out of the bag. It's um, interesting, but also we have to kind of put a bit of question marks on Eddie Howe and obviously Newcastle. They didn't seem up for this particular match and it seemed like once that goal was conceded, then they started to kick into life. Um, but there's a number of poor performances across the board. It has to be said, the likes of Gumares, who we kind of, I, su I suppose, semi-highlighted in the Arsenal match. I think he's got a bit of a loose nut there. Trippier, yeah. not his best performance, it has to be said. And yeah, I think the standout performances was lights from Joel Linton and Livermento. And yeah, you wouldn't necessarily associate those two names as being your kind of highlights for the game, but they were for a Newcastle mm. perspective. And um, yeah, full of credit to Borussia Dortmund, the way they approached it, full of attack, full of spirit. And um, yes, I think that was a Sabitzer's best game for Dortmund, it has to be said. I mean, he was stringing all these passes and it was incredible. I mean, it's kind of like fulfilling that kind of promise that Erdin Tezic has put into him since mm -hmm. he brought him across. So, um, yeah, what was your opinions of the game? Yeah, I think, look, Dortmund have just come off that massive annual loss to Bayern Munich, mm. right? I think they have like yeah. a point to prove. Um, Newcastle, obviously, off a buoyant win. Um, I was I was surprised at how placid Newcastle were, really. They seemed just, yeah. yeah. I think Eddie Howe kind of addressed it in his post-match comments as well. Like, they just, they didn't hit the levels mm. that they usually do. They didn't have the intensity. They didn't have the running in them. I think it, it is really interesting how um, Livermento has slotted into the team so well and looked so assured mm. and shown so shown so much quality um like we've talked about him before and how good he was at southampton but i was really yeah. really impressed with him and in that kind of like attacking role he wasn't actually playing as a yeah. wing back it was like really really attacking which i think is something that he's he has got that in his game he is very strong going forward mm. so i think it's interesting to see how versatile he can be as well um yeah. and eddie how being willing to be versatile with him as well um but yeah, I think maybe this was a bit like after the Lord Mayor's show, like you've had a big performance, you've had a big like result, and then maybe it's kind of hard to come back after that. Um, and especially going away in Europe is always different, right? It's always yeah. difficult, all the other cliches. Um, and Dortmund is, even though they are like chaos and incredibly hard to predict and will break your yeah. heart at every opportunity, they are still 
deep down just a very good team. And like I think Marcel Sabitzer, when he was at United, I'm surprised they didn't really try and keep hold of him. Because I think in a season that was average for United, he was one of Mm -hmm. the bright sparks when he came in. When you were like, oh, okay, I can see what this guy offers. His technical ability is insane. So I think... Yeah, it's great to see him like finding a home there. And then Julian Brandt, I always enjoy seeing him score. Always enjoy seeing him mm-hmm. score because I feel like he's a player that had so much promise and there was so much hype mm-hmm. about him. And his career yeah. kind of went off the wagon a little bit, kind of disappeared. So I'm always kind of waiting for him to hit those heights again. I always remember him being linked with Arsenal and me being very excited yeah. about us getting him. Um, but it was a really, really well-taken goal, very composed, mm-hmm. kept a calm yeah, head yeah. Um, and just killed off the game at that point. So I think... But it was absolutely massive for Dortmund because when you look at the table, that now puts them top, which is mental, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is a very tight group. So they're on seven points, yeah. PSG on six points, Milan on five points, and Newcastle on four. Um, mm. So, yeah, it kind of puts Dortmund in the driving seat a little bit. Um, I think the mm. upcoming fixtures they've got, they've got to play PSG at home and then Milan away, I think, are the fixtures they have. Yeah. Um, Milan away, I think they could probably do. And PSG at home, I wouldn't put against them either, if you know what I mean. like I mm. think any team at home is going to kind of struggle there. So I think Dortmund really, really in a strong position there. Newcastle mm. now, again, they've got to play Milan at home and PSG away. Um, I think Milan at home, they'll be feeling pretty confident about. Um, any games at home, they'll feel pretty confident about. I think PSG is going to be a tricky one, even if they did. Yeah absolutely batter them at St. James's Park. I get a feeling PSG aren't going to let that happen again, right? No, I think their fans are going to make sure it's quite a tough cauldron for them as well because obviously, yeah, we saw what happened in the first game at St. James's Park. There's a, we saw lots of videos outside of mm-hmm. the game as well. Yeah. So I think that those fans are going to be uh, well targeted, shall we say. If I'm a Newcastle fan, there's no way I'm travelling to Paris. But we, obviously, I live in Milan mm. and the stories this week and the scenes in Milan from the Paris fans have been fucking frightening. There was, mm. it, it was reported on the Italian news as like the first orchestrated football battle in the city for a very long time. So it was like organized armies basically in the Navigli area of Milan, which is like where all the canals are and stuff. Really nice area, but full of bars. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was absolute chaos. Um, the para, the Paris fans were just causing, yeah, all sorts of trouble. So if I'm a Newcastle fan, you couldn't pay me to go to Paris to watch a game. Um, no. and I think, yeah, their reception is going to be pretty spicy. But mm. we should go to PSG Milan. Uh, it happened in this fair city <laughs> that I call home. Um, and I was massively surprised. I don't know if I was as surprised as Stefano Pioli with the result. But, um, Adam, mm. talk us through it. Just... Is that is, is that Robert De, De Niro quote? I think it's Robert De Niro. Just when I think I'm out, they drag me back in. Just when he thinks he's out, he drags himself back in purely. It looked he like does. he was going to get fired. He lives another day on his 20th life. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was a master plan by uh, purely. It didn't look like a master plan, to be fair, um, because I, I was kind of messaging you when uh, mm-hmm. PSG first scored, and I was thinking the worst for Milan, especially the way in the manner they kind of conceded that goal. Um, But Milan 
were threatening. Um, they made Hakimi on a numerous amount of occasions look silly. Uh, it didn't look like his best performance, and he looks a shadow of his usual self, to be fair. But then you could have kind of said that about most of the PSG players. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only a handful that I would have kind of called out and said they had a good-ish game. Uh, and I, I think that's being generous as well. I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily... I think the standout performance was Donnarumma. Considering like the <laughs> yeah. abuse that he got prior oh, to the start oh, of like the game, I mean, yeah, yes, the yeah. dollar rumor as they call yeah, it, yeah, to him. Yeah. but um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the action itself, if we talk about that, I mean, yeah, within 30 minutes, Screenyard kind of peels off at the back post and heads the goal into the back of the net, you know. All of the AC Milan defence, I don't know what they were doing because they were kind of sticking to certain markers, obviously at the front post and no one was at the back. And there was at least two PSG players as well at the back post as well. So it was quite alarming from that point of view. And you're you're kind of thinking the worst, but within literally minutes, they take it to the other end. Giroud has an opportunity. Hits saved by Donnarumma. And on the rebound, Liao kind of does this overhead kind of effort, which you think... There was two, three defenders in the way as well, yeah, and they didn't yeah. do enough. I, there was a lot of kind of criticism towards Donnarumma around his positioning for that, but I, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. It's He's scrambling around back yeah, yeah. from the position of getting up as well, so I think that's a bit harsh. But yeah, I'd question mark the likes of Marquinhos as well mm-hmm. as Skriniar for that positioning piece. Um, but yeah, from that moment onwards, it kind of just felt like it was more in the ascendancy of Milan. It was very much end-to-end at one point because there was just <laughs> constant running between the two ends, really, to be fair. There was lots of chances for both sides. Kolo Moani puts through Mbappe at one stage and he scuffs his shot. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's um, Milan who take the lead. Um, Rafael Liao kind of has an effort and it, it seems like it's a foul in the box with Hakimi kind of clashes with Hakimi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the ball kind of scrambles to the sides. It gets put in and Giroud leaps like he always does, heads it classically into the top corner. And yeah, PSG defenders are just startled. They don't know what to do. And I think that really shocked the whole PSG side. I think we've got a question mark Enrique, I mean, I know we kind of question about philosophies with certain other managers, right? But I'm not really getting what he's trying to achieve at the moment at PSG. And this is it the same old issue? Like there is a cultural thing with PSG, do you think? Or is it just they're not like buying into his philosophy? Or Because I'm not actually understanding what he's trying to embed with those I think- players at the moment. I think he's starting a new PSG, right? I think they've they've very mm. clearly gone with this, like, right, let's try and bring young players. Let's try and be like, they've got yeah. Zaire Emery, who is outstanding, like, from the youth mm. system. And they've yeah, brought yeah. in, like, uh, Vicinia, and they've brought in these young kind of more yeah, yeah. practical players. And, like, let's build mm-hmm. this squad that's going to um, progress together because it's taken them 20 years to realize that just buying superstars doesn't work. And I think Luis Enrique, it might be the manager that finally gets patience. I think he's an incredible coach. I think he's a very, very good manager. Um, I just think he it's taken a while for them to get this system and build in his system and kind of for mm. it to em- embed in, I suppose. Um, the only issue is, yeah, do you get patience with with PSG? We'll find out. They're currently one point behind Nice in Liga, and so they're not having like the usual running away with it that they yeah, normally yeah, do. Um, but I've just seen them very, very fragile. Like you said, what the second mm. Milan scored, it kind of felt like they knew where the game was going. And they like Milan scored three minutes 
after PSG scored. Yeah. Like that's not that's like what Man United do, if you know what I mean. That's not like <laughs> an early dig there. You're welcome, United fan. <laughs> um, but like that's not what a team that's confident assured does, right? Yeah. You're and I think that's kind of what we can see from this team. It's what we mm. saw at Newcastle when all of a sudden the tide started coming and they were just unable to do anything about it. So I think maybe that lack of experience a little bit in the side is kind of counting against them. I find the the one I find really weird is Kolo Moani. Now he's not like a player that I think is he's good, he's fine. I never yeah. got the hype of him being like a hundred million. I never like I know oh, he I don't... went yeah. He went to Frankfurt for nothing, right? And had that great season yeah. in Frankfurt. And then all of a sudden it was like he was they were getting quoted 100 million for this French striker. I just didn't see it. And I think with I don't know if he's the player that's able to get the best out of Mbappe and if he's a good enough target man to be able to bring in Dembele and Mbappe because when you've got wingers like that, you need someone that can hold the ball mm. up and play it through to them. Now as you said, he did play Mbappe through who then missed the shot. But so that he's capable of moments, but I don't know if he's got that consistency or the mm-hmm. consistent ability to be able to get the most out of those two strikers or if they need someone who's just a slightly higher level. But I also know Colomwani is very young as well. So there is mm-hmm. something there that, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he's a player who's going to progress as well. So I think attacking wise, we're just seeing these kind of this creaking system a little bit and that it's just mm. not quite clicking properly. Um, I think the midfield is fantastic. Honestly, I think like between Virginia, Ugarte, and Zaire Emery, that is a very, very, very exciting midfield. Um, yeah. I just question if if they need an upgrade in defence. Maybe I don't know. I, 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 it feels like they're just uh, yeah one or two pieces away, and just maybe next year, maybe next season, there'll be a bit more of a threat when this team's played together a bit more. Because if you look at this squad compared to the squad last year, it's yeah. very different. It's very different. Oh, massively. Like, you're kind of talking about the old class, the likes of um, Neymar, Verratti, uh, Messi, Messi, for example, yeah. for a brief yeah. period of time. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, also, we, we get about the likes of Sergio Ramos that wasn't mm-hmm. really in the squad at half the time yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and he was supposed to be that kind of boost of experience, but also bring that kind of winning mentality. And they've just mm-hmm. kind of for years kind of gone down this kind of route of getting these kind of exciting names, but they haven't actually delivered. I do wonder if Verratti that has been a bit of a miss because I think he was the player that kind of got like the little moves, the little kind of mm-hmm. intricate passing together. And, you know, he held it. It was almost like the glue essentially. He's one of the most, like, I will yeah. say this forever. He's one of the most underrated players on the planet. People do not talk enough about how good that guy is. Like he walks yeah. into any team on the planet. It's just the fact that he likes a party and a smoke that no other team, <laughs> that no other team touches him. But that's literally it. Yeah. And he's like, he's opened up in, in interviews and just like, no, but I don't want to, but I don't want to sacrifice that. That's who I am. I can do that and still play elite football. And I can do that at yeah. PSG because they're willing to let me do it. So I'll do it. But I think they, and I absolutely can, <laughs> and he's honestly, he feels like my spirit animal. I'll be honest. But, um, <laughs> but he, they've underestimated how much they miss him. Uh, massively. Yeah, massively. massively. Um, but Milan fans are going to be saying, this is an Italian football podcast. Why aren't you talking about Milan? Why are you talking about PSG? Yeah, yeah, and true. for Milan, we do have to say, this is, another randomly very good performance. It feels like, if nothing else, the players really like Pioli because they do just pull it out of the bag when they need to, right? I think uh, that statement does 
vary from week to week (laughs) you look at the expressions of the players coming off that does kind of vary but i think there is kind of a love-hate relationship with purely sometimes with the players i think sometimes he does rattle them but i think it's not without him trying to change things up right and um, Mm -hmm. yeah we have to give them like special kudos to likes of calabria i think calabria's performances of late have been spectacular and again this is again someone like Mbappe, he managed yeah. to keep quiet. He did really well in that respect. Well, remember, um, he, he did it against Kralaskelia last season in the Champions exactly. League. Exactly. Like, this is the thing. He right? is able, so, he's capable of doing this. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, we saw probably the best of Rafael Leal that we haven't mm. we haven't seen him play like this for the majority of this season either, have we, to be fair? No. Um, we know about Pulisic. I think he had a fairly steady game. Uh, Reinders, one of his better games not by much it's not very hard to be a better game for Rinders it has to be said um but Tomori's stand out for me Ruben Loftus cheek coming back oh, into it as well he was, was so fantastic good. he was yeah. so good I think like I know I know some Milan fans and they're really 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 pleased with how he's doing um mm. like how he's come in and just brought that kind of it sounds like the Premier League TM kind of energy yeah. to to the what the Premier League likes to think it is, if you know what I mean, but that like dynamism, physicality, speed, technique, technique, he brings it all. And I, we've been mm. saying it for years, if this guy gets a run of form, if he gets solid game minutes, this guy is an unbelievable player. And That's it's true. so good to see him absolutely smashing it in Milan. And I think this was another fantastic performance from him i think he was like man of the match honestly i think he was the best player on the yeah. pitch in this game um and i think for him to be able to do it against psg in the champions league like it's just great to see and um yeah another english player coming abroad to get an opportunity mm. and absolutely thriving but i him. think um for purely this is just the perfect timing it just there is just something there there's just enough there there's just enough there but with it the buys some time it yeah buys with the scudetto right? race as it currently is so they're currently Bloody hell, six points behind Inter. <laughs> that looks pretty bad. Um, six points behind Inter and without a winning three, he still needs to turn it around this weekend. He still mm-hmm. massively needs to turn it around this weekend because this this game will get you a bit of credit. But if you lose again this yeah. weekend in Serie A, then the pressure definitely hasn't gone anywhere. Definitely comes home. Yeah, yeah. it 100% does. And I think that's the grail for now in terms of he needs to concentrate on the league itself because I think... The way Juventus are grinding out results as well at the moment, although not spectacular on the eye, they are kind of running away with Inter at the moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, it only takes one more defeat by Milan, and I think that gets stretched to being further than six points. Yeah. And that's that's the worry for Milan at this stage. They need to be keeping up with the pack at the moment. But the same is the said of the likes of Napoli, for example. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, really struggling this season. Not the same. So, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think their fans expect them to be in a Scudetto race, honestly. I think they've already oh, kind what? of known that. I think the Napoli fans I've seen... I think they accepted it for where they are now, but yeah. I think at the beginning of the season, they would have wanted to be in that pack. Oh, yeah, that, definitely. Brutally yeah. honest. So, yeah, I think they were right in that assessment. But, yes, Milan really needs to keep up with it. And it was maybe a good sign that Akufor was given a bit of a run yeah. out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we spoke about that on Monday, didn't we? So... Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge opportunity there, potentially, if he can... Obviously, he's going to be there with Giroud in terms of training and being able to pick up stuff, but I think he needs a run of games, like you said, mm-hmm. on Monday's live stream. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it, hopefully we'll see him get a run of games at some point. They've got Lecce away this weekend, which is not a diff- it's not an easy place to go. Not like, easy. That's got draw written all over it, I think. Like, <laughs> I can definitely see Lecce taking something from that. Um, but we've not gone in alphabetical order, I've just realised. Um, <laughs> we do we do have a running order, I promise, listeners. Uh, yeah. But we do also wing it. So we're going to go from the alphabet now. But I think Group F is the headliner, isn't it, really? So uh, yeah. I'll let us off. But Group A... Um, of course, Bayern Copenhagen currently currently in the so, qualification spots on goal difference. Minus one goal difference in their second in the group. What is that group? Um, let's start with the Danish uh, champions, uh, Copenhagen, mm-hmm. taking on Manchester United. Now, when I saw Manchester United went 2-0 up, rather naively, I went, ah, okay, they've, well, that's not done then. That's... <laughs> Oh, they've got the they've done it. Oh, good work, lads. They've got it done. But only Manchester United can more than Tottenham find new creative <laughs> ways to absolutely shit the bed and lose a game. Um the turning point here was the Rashford red card, right? Let's kind of start yeah. with that. That yeah, was the turning point that. in the game. Um, we were talking offline, and I think both of us are slightly confused as to how there's any disagreement about the red card, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I don't see why people are saying that there should be almost rules, rewritten rules on on this kind of, oh, he didn't intend it. It's the intention bit. That seems to be the huge issue recently. If he hasn't shown intent, then it's not a red card. I'm sorry, but it's studs showing the way his leg is on the Copenhagen players, like right leg is just not comfortable for me. That could be like a shocking challenge that, you know, could be yeah. worse than what he would run out with. The guy's foot is planted as well. So the second you yeah. hit someone's leg when their foot is planted like that, anything can happen. It kind of reminded me of the Curtis Jones red card against Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. he's kind of, and everyone was saying that's not a red card, but if, if you slip on the ball, unlucky, yeah. but you've made, an, you've made a dangerous tackle there. I think... I thought he also caught him with his elbow as he went round. Because when I first well, saw it, honestly. I thought, oh, he's been sent off for the elbow. And then I watched again. And I was like, oh, no, he's been sent off for that. I was sent like, okay, right. That. So I thought I couldn't see any contention there with the red card. But that was obviously the turning point in the game. At that point, Man United were comfortable. They mm-hmm. had played yeah, the yeah. two point two goal lead. And they were playing well. And I think overall throughout this game, in periods... No, no, throughout this game, Manchester United played well, but then they had periods oh, yeah. where they conceded goals. There was That's six true. minutes in the game, cumulatively, where they've basically conceded four goals and lost the game. And I think this is always going to be the issue with Manchester United now, that even if, until you, like, even if they have a good performance, until you manage to get that concentration over 90 minutes, you're always going to be prone to this. Like, mm. and it kind of felt like, and Arsenal and United always get compared because they went on similar journeys and Arsenal kind of further down yeah. the road now. But like, there was a long time when Arsenal were doing the same. They were playing good football mm-hmm. under Arteta, but then they just absolutely brain fart an own goal or they'd get a red yeah. card or just like these flash moments would just ruin the game. And it just feels like United are there at the moment and they're never going to mm. get those results until they can just concentrate for 90 minutes. Just concentrate. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's, that's all you need to do for, for now is just concentrate on what you're doing. And instantly, I think you'll see a raise in results because their performance was not bad. Like, they, I think overall, yeah. they, they played well. What did you think? 
they had periods of the game where they were the better side. I think if they have 11 men on the pitch, obviously I think yeah. that is a different scoreline. Um, the other thing to point out, Rory, was in terms of XG, this was the highest they've had this season. Wow. Like They had the best XG they've ever had in terms of performance against another side. So this is against a Copenhagen side, by the way, that hadn't won in the Champions League for seven years as well. So they hadn't won a game in seven years and they, they had this performance. Now, we can talk about the three kind of, yes, red card happened, but still Man United were still able to control that game. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I felt like the way that Ten Hag had set them up, it was almost right that they were inviting that pressure. They're inviting mm. that kind of thing, especially like when you look at the last two goals in particular, I saw after every incident, like every goal, should we say, they tried to pass it out of the back. And yeah, they, were, yeah, yeah. they were screwing up so many times that Onana was scrambling around. Onana oh, made a mistake. Dalot the... made a mistake. Even Harry Maguire was pressurized at one point mm -hmm. and he, he was struggling to get rid of the ball. That, that was the whole point. It was the inviting that pressure. And that really just played into the hands of Copenhagen because yeah. they brought on some attacking players as well at the same time. If you remember, Jordan Larson was one of them as really? well. And yeah, Rooney we'll talk about as well. I mean, he looks a hell of a talent, by the way. He looks unbelievable. Um, but yeah. just just the way they approached it was completely farcical. And I think it goes back to Ten Hag. I mean, there's still I, I can't understand why there's still this element of Man United fans that still have this belief that he's a good manager, he will be able to turn it around. And I, I love that they have this trust, but I just don't see what they see. I do no, not no, see no, in I terms think... of like the way they set out in that particular game. I mean, there's a proportion of blame to the players, right? In terms of that performance. Look at Delot, for example, in the third goal, I think it is. Well, he's that got them back into it. Both of those two goals are kind of on him. The the three three mm -hmm. and the four three on Matt, because they're all from down his side. It's from him not checking over his shoulder. It's from him yeah. not not getting out quick enough. I also think Garnacho holds quite a bit of blame for the last goal as well, because he just stands there on the edge of the box and watches. But I think, yeah, there's only so much Ten Hag can do when when Wambasaka is spamming a ball so hard at Onana that in such a terrible angle yeah. he can't control it. It goes out for a corner, then they can see for the corner. Like there's only so much there's only so much Ten Hag can do. I don't think I don't think he managed the game particularly badly. Honestly, I think once you go down to ten men, you're going to you're going to invite pressure because you're not going to do fucking big Ange and insist on a flat back seven. No, 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 no. But, but do you know I what think I thought? You, you also, sorry, you also have to like, at some point, you have to turn around and say, okay, abandon the playing out from the back boys. We just need to like, we can't have this pressure now. But I also think that yeah, could yeah. come down to the players. I don't know. There's an element of that, but I also found like, naturally, I suppose, to an extent, you do sacrifice some width when you are down to obviously mm -hmm. 10 men but then surely once that kind of like second goal goes through you kind of go we know do you know what we just need to put bodies in terms of that midfield yeah, yeah. to keep hold of the ball and just be able to hold on to it a lot more because like that that was the key element right was they weren't getting it past defensive lines right so it was that midfield that needed to then in that instant just step back and just come yeah, and yeah. help the defenders did not see that happen for the third or the fourth goal. That, no. that ultimately, I think that lies in Ten Hag, but it does ultimately as well. I think you talk about the experienced midfielders there. 
The likes mm-hmm. of Bruno Fernandes, you know, well, I also Scott think McTominay. Don't get me wrong, he's been experienced as well. Like bringing on Mason Mount at the end. Oh, that just makes it's no a sense weird one. one. It's a weird no. one because I don't know what Mason Mount's there to do. Mason Mount doesn't know what Mason Mount's there to do. Like yeah. it just it felt so weird because he's not a def- if there's one I don't know what Mason Mount is, but I know he's not a defensive midfielder, right? And like yeah, 100%. it just felt such a weird. It did feel like a weird move. But then I, you look at the bench and you're like, well, he's brought on Amrabat and at halftime and or after mm. the red card, and he's like, you know added a bit more solidity and he's kind of learnt from taking him off against Man City isn't the best thing to do. Mm. If you know what I mean, he's kind of learnt from that lesson. But I just, yeah, I think maybe it was just a bad night all round. But I also think that just the lapses in concentration. And Diogo Dalo, I don't know how you don't check over your shoulder. I just don't understand Mm. it because I think when I watched it, he sees the man. You see him look and he, he sees the man. And then the guy continues to run and he just doesn't look over again. Now, I don't know if he thinks that someone else is picking him up, but there's no red shirt within 50 yards of him, right? Like, he has all the time in the world. I just don't know why you just don't take another look. Mm. Like, it's just it's absolutely baffling. And then the last goal is just embarrassing defending. Mm -hmm. Like, And and as I said, and as you kind of said, with the midfielders not tracking back and not fucking putting those yards in... Mm. Garnacho, who, by the way, was shushing the fucking Copenhagen crowd when, when Bruno Fernandes yeah, scored. Yeah, of course he did. Such a cocky little prat. I really don't like him. When he was mm. shushing the crowd, and then he stood there and watches this wonder kid just absolutely beautifully finish the winner into the net, I thought it was quite a poetic moment, I'll be honest. Yes. Um, it yeah. also summed up the... Um, just the lack of work ethic in a lot of the players in that team. Because I think oh, when, when you're a winger, it's easy to look busy chasing lost balls and, you know, balls you know you're not you're going to get. Mm. And you can turn around and look at the midfield and go, oh, that's your fault. Or you can, like, run around and press when your system isn't to run around and press and other players go, what the fuck's this guy doing? He's just showing off, right? <laughs> it's easy to look busy. But to actually put effort in is to track back and follow that runner when you're running back to your own goal. That's when it fucking matters, work ethic. When you're up against the wall, 3-3 with 10 men, you've got to run that extra 10 yards. You just have to. Like, And I just think it summed Mm. it up massively for me. Um, But maybe I'm reading too much into it because I don't like him. I don't know. (laughs) That could could also be the case. Um, But terrible night for Manchester United. Um, They are currently 3 well, on, bo- on, on bottom, I went really northern. Then. They are uh, they're on the bottom of the table. <laughs> bottom of the table. Points on bottom of the table. And they've only got two points more than Celtic have got in the competition this year. So when you no, say it like that, terrible. it sounds a bit mental, doesn't it? Um, elsewhere in the group, very quickly, uh, Bayern Munich did beat Galatasaray 2 1 mm-hmm. in the end, a bit closer than it should have been. Yeah. Um, who got the goals here? Did Harry Kane score? I Harry remember. Kane. Harry Kane got both of them. Score. He got both of the goals, exactly. Got both. Um, but the goal from uh, Galatasaray, I really enjoyed as well. Um, oh, Oliveira. Oliveira. Yeah, it was a really nice yeah. goal. Really it was well very close. And Mario Cardi almost had a say yeah. in one of the goals that got disallowed. So it was him that was slightly offside, but his back kind of flick on header 
set up the initial goal in the game that was disallowed. So had that gone in, I think there could have been a different scoreline there in Munich. But Munich gets over the line. Good performance by Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Hurricane was unlucky. There was a few chances he had hitting the post, hitting the uh, one stage, I think a side net in as well, I seem to remember. Thomas Muller almost had a goal as well on his 102nd so appearance close. in the Champions oh, League. So close. So, so close. close. And that would have made it 3 0 at the time as well. So, yeah, unfortunate for Thomas Muller there. But, yeah, a great performance nonetheless from Munich, who pretty much see this group as the top, I think. Yeah, leaders of 12 points, now. two games left. They've qualified. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they are through. Congratulations, Bayern. I look forward to Arsenal playing you in the next round. Um, <laughs> we have um, Group B coming up. It's Arsenal's group. We, um, mm. Arsenal 2, Sevilla nil. I have been massively underwhelmed by Sevilla across these two times. Yes, they've been poor. Holy they've crap. Been very poor. Um, I really genuinely thought when they came into our group, I was like, oh, fuck, we've got Sevilla. Like, they're mm. definitely doing us. Normally And hard. they have been... Yeah so so poor um they offered absolutely nothing i thought the team selection yesterday was a bit mad like rakitic dropped but then when he came on their level instantly improved and you're like oh crap like why well thanks for not starting him because (laughs) our midfield had a right easy day like um so i thought the team selection was weird um and we were able to keep a Nesri out of the game completely, which is important, obviously. Yes. Like then getting those big balls across too, and Nesri is, is kind of their main attacking threat, really. So, mm. But have you been disappointed by their levels before we get to Arsenal? Have, I, have you been disappointed by them in general? I just assumed yeah. this. I think um, what they did last season covered over a lot of cracks, it has to be said. They struggle in the league in terms of form. Uh, They've got a new coach as well, it has to be said, Rory, leading up to this game. So Diego Alonso was brought in for this game. So it's not been straightforward for Sevilla. They're in huge kind of financial troubles as well at the moment, hence why they're not being able to kind of reinvest this. So you know, Champions League, this is all about the money for them. It, yeah. At this stage, it's going to be all about pride. If they can get into the uh, basically Europa spots, which is going to be challenging, I'm sure, to be really honest. I think I think it's all in the hands of PSV and Lons in the group for those kind of second and third spots at the moment in the group. And it's quite a fascinating tie, that PSV-Lons game, because, you know, Lons, well, from, based on that previous performance against Arsenal, struggled in this game. And PSV, every time on the counter, looked like they were going to score. Just every time they looked like they were going to score, and uh, unfortunately, it's only one goal in the end uh, mm-hmm. that kind of sewed it they up. Should for have, PSV, they should have been at least two or three at the end where Lozano shot instead of passing it to the striker, and the striker yes. was absolutely Bakayoko. yeah, human. And I'm completely on his side because Lozano was never going to score from that angle. And I feel like as he hit it, I just heard Napoli fans going. Yep, there he is. <laughs> that's Lozano <laughs> yeah. in a shot that's never going to go in. Um, but yeah, it was that was criminal. I we didn't pass that honestly. Um, but for <laughs> Arsenal, huge, huge performance. The fact that Sevilla had their first shot in the 97th minute um, kind of shows how much, just how much dom- how much domination mm. we, we had. And this is a squad as well that's like low key got loads of injuries. I'm kind of slowly counting the injuries, and I'm like. Actually, we've got no Yuri and Timber, no Gabriel Jesus, no Martin Odegaard, no Thomas Partey. Uh, we've got no no Emil Smith Rowe. Um, 
I think Tommy Yasu had to come off. Um, we've got a load, yeah. a lot of players who are injured at the moment, and we're still, still managing to just get these results. But I think this is the time where we've actually had the performance to back it up as well. Um, I thought Jorginho was fantastic. Um, this is, I think, European nights at the moment really suit him. I think the Premier mm. League at times he can get overrun and he can just get lost a little bit. But against some of these European teams, he's a little bit more able to dictate play a bit. So I was really, really impressed with him. Um, but the player who absolutely stood out, hands, head and shoulders above everyone else, apart from the fact that he didn't have the end product, unfortunately, was Gabriel Martinelli. Um, he gave the severe wing back. Now, I'm going to get his name. Oh, Pedroza? I think yeah, it Pedroza, was. Yeah, Pedroza, yeah. He is going to be having nightmares about Gabriel Martinelli because I think he went past him eight times, nine times in the game and just every single time, just dribbled past him inside, outside, inside, outside, just made, honestly, it was embarrassing mm. at times um, to the point where Pedroza just got sick and kicked him off the pitch at one point. I was like, just fuck off, will you? Like, I'm sick of you. Um, so Martinelli was absolutely fantastic. But um, mm. Declan Rice is now a, a level of performance so good that we don't even reference oh, it. Oh, that's incredible. It's just... Yeah. Him and Saliba, there's a tackle from Saliba yeah. in the game where he sprints yeah. back and you're like, tackle, tackle. And he doesn't, he waits, he waits, and then just times it perfectly. Yeah. Bang, there's the ball, stood up, bang, gone. Like, he is just unbelievable. Those two players are just hitting mm. such a level now consistently that it's just incredible. Um, But it was great to see Saka get the goal. Great to see Trossard get the goal. I like mm -hmm. Trossard as a centre-forward. Like, what do you think of Trossard as a centre-forward? I think he, might, he offers a little bit more than Eddie Nketiah. In terms mm -hmm. of like on the ball, yeah, I think he's certainly more effective than he is on the wings. I think mm -hmm. uh, there's something about him where he's got that kind of. I think it reminds me of a bit like Eden Hazard. Do you remember when Eden okay. Hazard was kind of played in that middle role where mm -hmm. he can keep the ball, he can kind of drive forward, and he can kind of draw those flat pals as well. But I think, um, yeah, he's got a bit of touch like about him as well. I think a silky touch about him, and you saw it with the goal, the way he took it as well. Yeah. He kind of and really? he kind of understands the runs, doesn't he? I, I feel he understands the runs better than Enketia sometimes. Yeah. So. I think, you know, in Ketia, you know we're going to get like really hardworking performance in terms of just running down the channels, trying to yeah. make a nuisance of himself, right? Whereas Trossard, I feel like if you get him the ball or you try and get him to those positions, he's got a little bit more now. So he kind of runs down those channels that will kind of naturally get him into the position. So, yeah, there's something about it. I would say... It, it, question marks about maybe a better defense whether he's been really truly tested yes. but i think yeah, against yeah. something like severe perfect perfect yeah. opportunity no i thought it was, I thought it was a fantastic performance from him it's mm. an option for us um because i think sometimes eddie does just run out of steam um and the Saka goal was just beautiful to see yeah. it's his first goal in i want to say six matches um mm. so it's good to see him get a goal really well taken the second he spun it onto his left i was like yeah okay it's game over and he just leaves the defender the defender yeah. just runs past him cuts inside classic Saka goal really nice to see him get that i saw that leander trossard every single one of his goals for arsenal has been assisted by bakayo Saka. That is an absolute wow. partnership. That's, That's an absolute partnership. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, they clearly really enjoy playing with each other. So it's nice to see. Really good evening for Arsenal. 
it was much, much needed. Um, and yeah, even Zinchenko came on and didn't look terrible. He needs to play himself into form. Um, the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about at the moment is not an Erdogan because we've not really heard anything about an injury. It's just like, oh, we can't play. And I was like... That's basically any, he's injured. There is something the, there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, any yeah. further details on that, Mikhail? Or no, no, no. no. We just got to no. trust this process. I don't know. Got to trust the process. Um, trust we're going to leave. It's got us this far, so I'm going to keep trusting it. Yeah, but, um, fine. Group C, we're going to move on to Group C. And I think my eyes deceive me. There was a Real Madrid game where Bellingham didn't score. What the hell oh. is going on? Washed. Absolutely washed. Am I not mistaken? I don't think he played. Did he not play? That's the reason why. No, that's, that's why he didn't. Why. Yeah, because he was I'll injured from the previous game. So that's why, yeah. I'm just checking, yeah, he definitely did not play because of that reason. Still so, washed. Um, Still washed. Uh, it's done. Hype's over. Uh, Move on. What I would say is Brahim Diaz had a very good game. I'm sure Milan fans are missing him right now. Um, but yeah, very good performance by the likes of Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. Starting school goals mm-hmm. as well. So it's good for him to get back on the scoring frame because it's always been reliant on obviously Bellingham. I think there's been a lot of question marks. If Bellingham doesn't score, who does score for Real Madrid? And uh, they were lucky enough in this equation. And look, Braga had a penalty to begin with in this match. Vasquez gives away a stupid penalty. But yeah, Lunin, Lunin, I didn't even know about him. Oh, Lunin, sorry, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's no Courtois for this match. Um, But yeah, good performance by Real Madrid. Professional and yeah, um, probably unlucky from Braga, a lot of effort, but yeah, not in this match to kind of overcome the Real Madrid. So uh, yeah, wow, well, yeah. it's a tough place Good to win. go in it. Um, let's go for Napoli, Union Berlin, and oh, well, bloody hell, Union Berlin actually held, actually managed. They Did got right. the latest. They got the latest goal this time, oh, and yeah. managed to hold on. They are learning lessons. Of course, it was against Napoli, um, as they draw one all. This is a bit of a missed opportunity for Napoli, I feel. Oh, massively. Um, there was a lot of opportunities for Napoli in this match. In particular, Kfaraz Kelia mm. on more than one occasion really should be doing better um, because there was one opportunity where he's just one-on-one with the defender and all he has to do is cut it in and have a good shot on goal. Benucci on his return, by the way, for Union Berlin playing in this particular match, doing his shithousery. But I think the standout was Politano for mm-hmm. Napoli. He had a fantastic game, it has to be said. Um, but yeah, question marks about, I suppose, in the middle of the park, really, for Napoli. And maybe to an extent, they really did struggle in terms of maybe they missed Osimen. I think that, I mean, I know how good Raspadori is, but Osimen's kind of the big man that you need for yeah, these yeah. occasions. Uh, Zelinski, I thought, had a really good game as well, uh, pulling all the strings and, you know, he was doing a lot of um, those kind of efforts on goal as well. So yeah. he, had, he was unlucky on one opportunity where I think it would have been better for him to have, like, at least passed it or assisted one of his colleagues at the time rather than go for goal. But, hey, you know, great performance by Union. Um, gives them a chance at least of um, trying to get that Europa spot, I would say, at this stage. I think Napoli will confirm that second place yeah. in the group. And, yeah, yeah, more question marks about Garcia. More question marks. Yeah, they will never, ever quite go away, will they? No. Um, moving on to Group D and the Italian interest here. Inter against RB Salzburg. Mm. It took them a while. It took them a long while. But a Martinez penalty, of course, Martinez gives them the 1-0 win, qualifies them for the knockout round. And 
that's all that needs to be said, really. Professional job done, right? Yeah, really good performance by Inter. They had a lot of kind of, I suppose, appetite for this game. You know, I think these are the kind of games that sometimes you do worry about how Inter approach it because, you know, a smaller side in Salzburg. Um, sh- to be fair, on the balance of play, though, if you look at it, Schlager keeps them in the game. Um, Nicola Barella has some fantastic moments in particular. And it, it just uh, the passing, just, oh my God. Oh. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, and moments before that goal, by the way, Rory Lotaro does hit the crossbar. Schlager mm. has to tip it onto the crossbar, even. Um, so you know, it, it's unlucky. Turam as well had a very good game. I would say um, he was brought down at one stage, and Inzaghi was going absolutely ape shit on the sidelines. But yeah, it wasn't a penalty. I'm afraid he just dived a little yeah. bit. And he was compared. Too easy. He was compared to Samuel Etu this week by Bobo Vieri. Um, oh, which is that was it. incredible. Yes, um, I don't know if I can see what he's getting at. It may be the profile of player, but is it a bit early to be trucking around names like I Samuel? I think Lato? it's a bit early, but I think he, if I remember rightly, in this live stream, he admits that he didn't even fancy to run before he joined. Okay. You know, he didn't see much in him as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, which was understandable. Look, his goal scoring yeah, yeah, yeah. record wasn't spectacular, but I think he's just maybe a bit misty-eyed. I've seen yeah. those performances yeah. against Milan and think... They just want 2010 back, don't they? That's all it is. <laughs> they just want 2010 back, I think. Um, but a great, great win for Salzburg. Um, elsewhere in that group, Real Sociedad, I am sticking to my... Yeah. This is the team that's going to upset in the knockout rounds. Um, they win 3-0, 3-1. Benfica mm. managing to claw one back in the second half, but scoring in the 6th, the 11th, and the 21st minute. Um, Oyathabal, of course, getting on the score sheet. Um, but the player that is on everybody's lips is Zubimendi, is the player that everybody is after. Another fantastic performance from him in the midfield role and a great, great win for them. To be able to dispatch a a experienced, tricky Benfica side that's been there and done that in the Champions League. It says a lot about the quality of that team, right? Yeah, 100%. And this isn't the Benfica side that we know from the Mm. previous seasons. They are really struggling. Um, Lots of kind of shouts for Roger Schmidt, the current manager, to potentially leave and vacate the role. Um, He's had a hard gig, I would say, this season and not helped by Mm. the performances of his players. But yeah, fantastic performance by Real Sociedad, who proving that sometimes, you know, it's nice to have these kind of fresh teams enter these kind of stages. So yeah, fair play to them. I hope they progress really far in this competition. And um, yeah, <laughs> you've done spectacularly well on this uh, prediction for once. So well, well done, mate. Woo! I'll take it. I'll absolutely <laughs> take it. We'll see how far it goes. Um, we're going to go to Group E, where the Italian interest, Lazio, Mm. Another um, diff- disappointing week for Laziali. Um, yeah. But they do get the 1 0 win. Immobile gets the goal just on the brink of half time and they managed to get the win. Is this just what they needed ahead of the Derby della Capitale? Because a loss here or a draw would have really sent them in a different way, right? Massively. It's a big result when you consider Feyenoord were no pushovers either. Mm-hmm. They they were a good side going into this match and 
you know, they've proved themselves a numerous amount of times. You know, they caused some issues for Lazio, um, but that goal was superbly taken by Chiro. Yeah. Chiro, just that was the old Chiro that we associated, not the one that takes penalties all the time and scores goals from the penalty spot. Um, he is genuinely showing his worth. And uh, there was a lot of rumours, I think, prior to this match about Chiro Mobile's kind of future. You know, yeah. I think he said, if I don't feel like at home, I might as well go to Saudi Arabia. I think there was quotes around along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, look, there's there's that kind of process with Chiro. Like, maybe he's outstayed his welcome now. Like, he's done as much as he can for mm-hmm. Lazio to a degree. But there, look, we said in our last Monday live stream about Lazio, look, there's a whole piece of Sari does not like the players they've got. No, no, they're, they're not, not his they're not, pl- not his they're not playing to his ways of working. I don't think he I mean, look at Kamada. I don't think he's proved himself much mm. recently. I mean he's been disappointing of late. Um, but that's not just aimed at him. I think it's a whole yeah. squad at the moment. Look, the only player that I can say has done really well this season is Providal. Providal is having a hell of a season, by the way. He made some incredible saves in this game. And yes. right at the death, he made the save from the mm. header. And I thought yeah. that is as big a moment as him scoring the winner or whatever it was in the Yeah, third. exactly. <laughs> Against right. Atletico. Yeah. It's like a massive, massive moment, like a huge moment. He is, I've got him in Fantacalcio this year and I could not be happier. Um, he is oh. having a hell, a hell of a season. Yeah, Providell's oh, killing man. it. Um, but elsewhere in that group, <laughs> oh God, Celtic, all the dark horses. Now you said this, you said Atletico, you fancy Atletico for, to get far in the Champions League. And now Morata and Griezmann are both top of the scoring charts. Morata absolutely smashing it. Now, obviously, they were aided by one Celtic mm. being shite and Celtic getting someone sent there off. There is that. Um, yeah. But this is still, and also the collection of goals Atletico scored. There are so many bangers in this game, like so it's many embarrassing, fantastic isn't it? goals, just long-range efforts. Joe Hart, it, he was getting so angry, <laughs> and I kind of felt for him at one point. Uh, but I was like, oh, you're a cocky git, you probably deserve it. But some of the goals were absolutely outstanding. and They were incredible. On That's... a show, right? I mean, there's one particular incident where it was disallowed because Morata goes into an offside position. But he hits this shot, Murata which offside kind of. I know, right? But Joe Hart saves it and it goes behind him and it goes into the net. And if that was given a goal, that would be hilarious for all to watch. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I love Raquel May on that wing. He oh. looks so exciting. Okay, we know about his credentials. Look, when you've got Exor Witzel playing centre-back as well, I mean, this is kind of an evolved version of Atletico, isn't it? They've This this isn't like what we associate with Diego no. Simeone to an extent. But I'm waiting for that shithousery to come later well, it's on. Always there in the it's always there. It's you know, always there. Do you know what? I reckon in training sessions, he does a, an, like a session which is just pure shithousery. Yeah. Like how how do we Once make it? Once every couple of weeks. Just keep, yeah, them, yeah. keep it fresh in their minds. Yeah. And now, guys, we've got to imagine we're away 
to Barcelona and we're 1-0 up in the 70th minute. Go. Now you're doing 20k running. Go, basically. (laughs) Yeah, it's always in the back pocket. But yeah, you're right. Witzel at centre-back is absolutely mental. Um, I also saw Saul Saul in this game. He was at Chelsea, wasn't it? That was a bit mad. Um, But it's good (laughs) to see him back at Atletico where he belongs, really, um, and getting on the score sheet. But yeah, Atletico put on an absolute show. The Celtic fans, I think it went from like a fun weekend or a fun like trip away to like actually can i get my money because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fucking painful um we're going to continue our trend of not talking about group g because it's fucking boring um and we're going to talk about group h in the every year Shakhtar get one result right they so beat real madrid mm-hmm. um every year they get one and they have turned up and they've beaten barcelona one nil and I could not be happier. They're in the Champions League every bloody year. And they're always pretty decent. They're always like yes. just good, aren't they? They are massively underachievers in this competition as well. Because when you look at the kind of group of players they've had previously in the past, I, I've always fancied them to be the kind of team yeah. that might progress to the next stage as well. But this time, the other caveat we have to give is that a lot of those players aren't household names. They're not necessarily all the skilled players. They're all and from the youth system, know, basically. Most of them are from the youth team system. There is one, I've forgotten his name, but he used to play for Barcelona. Do you remember the Ukrainian that joined from Shatka to go to? He's a 37-year-old. I've forgotten his name now off the top of my head. No. Yeah, I think it's one of the one someone like that. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of like the actual performance, like if you think about the whole backdrop of like the Ukrainian league. They've, they're have they not playing regularly. They have to cross to the border before they can even go to the home games as equivalent as well. I mean, this is a fantastic achievement. And, you know, yeah. Barcelona were pretty poor on the day. Pretty yeah. poor on the day. And, you know, that kind of sums it up. Um, but, yeah, kudos to um, Donetsk. Hopefully, they can push themselves and maybe, I mean, because there's only three points, right? In this difference between them and potentially second spot at the moment. So if they can do it, if they can overhaul it, they've got two games to go. I'm going for them. Come on. They've got at least the Europa League uh, because Antwerp have been slapped around (laughs) like you wouldn't believe. Um, So they've got at least the Europa League, but as you said, three points behind Porto. Um, yeah, it all to play for, really. So, fantastic, fantastic performance there and result for Shakhtar Donetsk. So bloody happy about that. So, that is our Champions League roundup, guys. Um, in mm. the Europa League, the headlines are um, Brighton have won away in Amsterdam 2 0. Ansu Fati and Simon Adingra, he's the next one, guys, um, getting the goals for Brighton. Um, mm. Let's look at the English interest. To lose Liverpool. Yes. I didn't expect them to lose this one. 3 <laughs> 2. Um, a controversial last minute equalizer from Kwanzaa ruled out. I saw Klopp was quite angry about that. But to lose, do get the win. Absolutely massive, that. Big fan of that result. Sorry. Um, West Ham have beaten Olympiacos 1 0 with Lucas yes. getting the goal. And looking for Italian teams. Uh, Atalanta have beaten Sturmgrass 1-0 with Jim City getting the goal. Beautiful. And in the Mm. Conference League, 
Uh, oh no, Conference League. I've not got it. What's happened in the Conference League, Adam? <laughs> I'm going to go through them. So I'm just trying to pick out the big games because I'm trying to find any English or Italian representatives at this stage. There doesn't seem to be many. It's like looking I'm through sure. a list of. It's I'm, like looking I'm through sure. a list of Ryanair destinations. <laughs> yes. Looking at you wrote in the Conference League. Yeah, like, where's my cheapest return ticket? But yeah, um, <laughs> Chukaratki, uh against Fiorentina. Fiorentina win away one nil. So fair play to them there. Aston Villa have beaten AZ Alkmaar at home 2-1. And in the other group game, Lego also win 2-0. So that Oof. sets up a very big game because um, obviously Legia take on Villa soon at Villa Park. Oh, but there's also the return leg of the AZ Alkmaar game as well, which uh, was quite feisty after the first game in Alkmaar. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I can't really see any standout performances. Pauk drawing tool against Aberdeen. And um, I think it's Helsinki JK losing at home to Frankfurt 1-0. That's the only real standouts here, okay. Rory, I would nice. say. Glimpse getting a win away at Besiktas. There you go. Oh, that's well, a, that's kind of a bit of a... Yeah, We're talking of there. overachievers, Bodo Glimt are right up there in terms of overachievers in European football. God yes. damn. Um, yes. Good. Well, we're going to leave the European review there for now. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back with the Premier League and Serie A previews after this. Hi, I'm Phil Brown and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. We are back and welcome to your weekend preview. We're going to go very quickly because we're very aware of time and the <laughs> Premier League. It all kicks off on Saturday, half past 12 in the UK. Wolves hosting Tottenham. Can Tottenham complete the absolute melt that was Monday night? They've got half their squad missing. Here's hoping. Um, the, to kick off the three o'clock kickoffs, we have Manchester United hosting Luton Town. Fresh off a great result against Liverpool. Be interesting to see how that one goes. Mm. Arsenal taking on Burnley. Love that we've got a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Don't get enough of them. Crystal Palace taking on Everton. That's got draw written all over it. And in the Newcastle United slot, guess who's playing in the Newcastle United slot, Adam? Is it Newcastle United? It's Newcastle United. <laughs> as Bournemouth hosting Newcastle has been picked for the late kickoff on Sky. Oh, Who could have God. guessed it? Um, then going into Sunday, we have Aston Villa hosting Fulham. Aston Villa will be very keen to bounce back um, from the loss against Forest. Brighton hosting Sheffield United. A good chance for Brighton to get back into a bit of form. West Ham hosting Forest. I fancy a bit of an upset there. Liverpool hosting Brentford and then the late kickoff on Sunday. This is the spicy one, really, Adam. Chelsea hosting Man City. Cole Palmer up against his old team. Raheem Sterling up against his old team. Do you think Chelsea can get anything here? They've done well against the bigger sides this season. No, I, I think they're going to okay, capitulate. <laughs> I, I, th I think we'll see uh, Man City, the way they played midweek against Young Boys, I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, they set it, themselves yeah. up for it. I mean, look, we thought Haaland had tweaked something in his ankle and yet he scores a wonder blast past a young yeah, goalkeeper. I, I think this could be embarrassing for Chelsea because I don't think necessarily Chelsea were the, that great against Spurs. They took Not advantage, anywhere. yes, but I think they made it hard work at times as well. well they, they took did advantage of Right, they took advantage of two men being sent off. 
That's and they barely can... did it. Like they had twenty yeah, attacks and scored four goals. <laughs> like it's their conversion rate is absolutely stinking. Um, yeah, I yeah. can only unfortunately see see City turning up and absolutely spanking them here. But I will be praying for a Chelsea win again, as I did on Monday. Um, maybe, maybe Lightning will strike twice in the same week. Uh, we can hope. Adam, take us through what looks like a pretty. Exciting Serie A weekend. Yeah, we've got a jam-packed week of fixtures here in Serie A. So if you're listening to us on Friday, then we'll start off with Sassuolo taking on Salernitana at 5.30pm for that thunderbolt of a game. But then we are joined by Genoa and Hellas Verona at 7.45. So could be a good game there. If we move on to Saturday, then we've got, as you mentioned earlier, Rory Lecce taking on Milan at 2pm. Then at 5pm, be prepared to be bored off the scales because we've got Juventus <laughs> taking on Calgary uh, at 5pm. Ranieri returning back at Juventus. But then potentially an interesting game here, Rory. 7.45pm mm-hmm. kickoff on Saturday evening. We've got Monza at home to Torino. I like I'm not this expecting one. too much, but I- I'm liking the Monza squad at this moment in time. Um, moving to Sunday, we've got Napoli at home to Empoli. I'm expecting Napoli to win Cricket handsomely score. here. Potentially, potentially. We just don't know which Napoli side decides to turn up here, Rory. But then we've also got Fiorentina taking on Bologna. Bologna, who have been unbeaten in the last 10 games. Let's see if they can extend that oh, to 11. That's going to be then, that's going to be a close yeah. one, you know. That's going to be a close one. I think there's going to be goals in that game. If you're... If you're free on a Sunday afternoon, there's worse ways to spend it than watching Fiorentina Bologna. I would say so. And Fiorentina need to get back to uh, some sort of rhythm at the moment, let's say Mm -hmm. that way. Um, But yeah, I'm not holding too much hope for Italiano. I'm fancying Bologna here, to be fair. Um, Udinese, off the back of that win at Milan, they host Atalanta. That could be an interesting game as well there, Rory. Um, But if we move on to the big game this week, 5pm. Derby Capitale, I've said it properly this time around. Lazio taking on Roma. Lot of beef between the two managers oh. here. Um, I'm sure we'll reflect that later on. But Rory, which way does this go? Because Roma have got that history of scoring late goals at the moment. Lazio yeah. been indifferent in terms of their form so far. And the interesting thing is, if either side wins... It puts them back in terms of that mix mm. for kind of that top seven, six mix, I would say. Um, yeah, how are you fancying this? I feel like I feel like Lazio's recent record against Roma has been pretty decent. I feel like they've kind of had mm. the better of it the last couple of derbies. So I think they're going to be feeling confident coming into it, even yeah. if their form hasn't been fantastic. But I do think that I think Roma get a result here. I think they're just overall in better form. They're a bit in better shape. The team is mm-hmm. clicking a bit more. It all depends on if Dybala plays, right? If Dybala's fit and able to play, I think he should be. If he is, then that makes a huge difference. I think the fact that Lukaku's had such a good start to his career in Roma uh, mm. so far, I think that could be huge as well. So I'm going to say it's not going to have a lot of goals. I'm going to say one red card on the pitch, maybe two on the bench. Um, and I'm going to say a Roma win. What do you reckon? Oh, I'm just fancying Lazio. For some reason, when when you back a Roma side, you, you kind of feel like <laughs> you're asking Lazio for going to do more. <laughs> and for some reason, it's just in my head, I feel like despite the kind of form that Lazio are in, 
they seem to do well in front of their fans, especially mm. when it's these kind of games. Um, yeah, Sari needs something as well. And he yeah. seems to always do it against Marino. He always seems to do it. I'm yeah, not seeing Marino yeah, yeah. get the edge over Sari. So despite the mind games, Rory, I think it's going to go the Lazio's way, which will help and uh, please Fede Farco. So uh, yeah, friends of the show. Um, the show. We... We will see. I'll definitely be tuning into that one. Um, and we'll get definitely. a live reaction. Or we'll get a reaction after the game for that game. Definitely. Um, and then the last game of the weekend. Last game. It is Inter taking on Frozenone at 7.45 on Sunday. So uh, an interesting game there. But I'm expecting Inter to win handsomely as well. So, yeah, that's your summary of Serie A fixtures this weekend. Beautiful. We are. I don't know what there's fireworks going off in the background. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Is that like a thing? Is that a thing? What just know. happened? I don't anyway, know. I don't know. What um, <laughs> they're not an audio feature, guys. But I think I might have magic powers. Um, I need to. You've I need got to, to click go. onto YouTube. Let's put it that way. Just see I it. Need from to, this you need to watch it on YouTube. That was a bit. Well, I don't know. Now I just hey, I'm magic, right? Um, so now we are going to take a very quick break, and we're going to come back with the mastermind quiz. <laughs> it's not working. Oh, uh, back in a minute. <laughs> Welcome to the Mastermind Quiz. Are you ready? I feel kind of ready. Not quite. I'm about to fall asleep. Not through boredom, <laughs> through sheer sheer tiredness. I hope you're not going to fall asleep through boredom either. It was just, just is... those after effects, Roy. That's exactly. what it was. I'm knackered after setting off all those fireworks. Um, but... <laughs> Um, hopefully you're not falling asleep through boredom, uh, listeners. This Thanks, intro has been terrible. Adam, I'm going <laughs> to let you take over and host. So, Rory, we uh, go into our mastermind quiz. You have two topics you can choose from. Now, I've kind of gone for something different here. So cool. your choice of question for one of them is, who am I? So I'm going to oh, describe oh, the like career that. of an individual. Um, and you have to just guess who that person is. Or alternatively, we've got your favourite football nicknames. In I'm going to leave it to the end of the season, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to keep the keep the listeners hooked. Let's go for who am I? I'm quite excited by this. Oh, good times! Well, let's get that time set up. Then stopwatch at the ready. Rory, are you ready? Um, I think so. Let's do it. We'll do this in three, two, one. I made my international debut for Brazil in 1993 and scored in the game. I played in two World Cup finals and my club career saw me play in Brazil, Italy, Angola, Spain, Greece, and Uzbekistan. Correct. Number two, I've played in Germany, Italy, Austria and France. I have won Serie A and scored the first ever golden goal in international football. Um, Bierhoff. Correct. Number three, I have played in the conference League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League, the UEFA Cup, Champions League, and the World Cup. Vardy. Incorrect. I was the first Liverpool player to win the Ballon d'Or. I scored 40 goals for my country and have played in England and Spain. Correct. Number five, I was originally a striker before becoming a defender. I played 11 seasons for the same club before managing them. I've won two Bundesliga titles and a Champions League 
time is up, but I'll let you answer that. Um, Beckenbauer. Incorrect. It's Jurgen Klopp. Oh, um, damn, really? Wow. Yes. Well <laughs> done, Rory. <laughs> Very well done on that one. So that was three. Three, three total. Fucking a good Come on. There. So we'll rerun through the answers. Obviously, you got the first one was Rivaldo, correct? Second was one was second Oliver you said Bierhoff. Angola. The second you said Angola, yeah. I was like, oh, it's Rivaldo. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, nice. exactly. That's probably the giveaway. This third question was one that probably you didn't really understand could kind of get the dots together and I didn't want to give it away, but I've played in the conference, League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League, the UEFA Cup, Champions League and the World Cup. If I mention he played for Fulham, does that help? <laughs> it probably should. I'm going to say John Collins. I don't know. Okay, not a clue. He played for the Republic of Ireland. Oh, God, I should really freaking get this now. Um... Oh, I'll add another club, Liverpool. <laughs> My brain gone completely. <laughs> I'll give I can you only think of Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan? Correct. Yeah, Steve oh, Finnan. Yeah. He's worked himself through the leagues. There you go. Um, obviously, you got number four right, Michael Owen. And number five was Jurgen Klopp, as announced. Do we want to go oh. through the other five just quickly? Uh, go for it, yeah. Okay, number six. I have played for Chelsea and spent time playing in Turkey. I've been crowned African Footballer of the Year four times and the African Cup of Nations twice. Incorrect. Samuel Eto'o. Uh, Number seven. I have won leagues in Italy, Germany, Portugal and Austria. I also won the European European Cup uh, both as a player and as a manager. European Uh, Cup, should I say. I don't know. No, I don't know. My brain's Giovanni Trapattoni. There uh, you go. Of course it is. And number eight. I am the manager who first named David Beckham as England captain. Hoddle? No. No. Peter Taylor. Peter oh, Taylor in his caretaker role. He was England game. manager. Yeah, I know. Everyone forgets about that. Uh, next one. I've won the World Cup and European Championship at international level. And I won the Champions League on two occasions as a manager of two different clubs. Try and the think World Ger- Cup and European Championship. Think German. Uh, Beckenbauer? No, you're Pinkers. You're going Beckenbauer. And- German player, Beckenbauer? <laughs> <laughs> and last one. I've worn 7, 17, 28 and 9 in my career, playing my football across England, Spain, Italy and Portugal and technically Saudi Arabia now. Ronaldo. No, that's Correct. stupid Cristiano answer. Ronaldo. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I'm so Rui. bad at I'm so bad at shirt numbers that I honestly there might as well be <laughs> if you asked me to name Arsenal player squad numbers, I would honestly struggle. I just pay no attention to it. Um I think it's because I hate maths. Well, I that, don't know. That's well, the next topic for next week. <laughs> <laughs> I've just massively shown my hand there. Yeah. God damn it. Never mind. Um I should, that's why I don't play poker, guys. Um Good. So, guys, we are finished for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've enjoyed it. Um, As always, thank you for joining us. Uh, Adam, anything to say before I give our customary quote that we've actually prepared this week um, and send these people on their way home? No. Have a great weekend and enjoy all of the football. 
Beautiful. And in build-up to the Derby della Capitale this weekend, it could only be a quote from the war of words between the great Mourinho and the great Maurizio Sarri, where Mourinho clapped back, as the youngsters say, if someone is offended by his statement, it should be Slavia Prague. I always respect my opponents. Slavia is a very good team, and what makes a difference is how a manager thinks about matches. Maybe the difference between a manager that has won 25 titles and one who has won very few is exactly that mentality. You play every match and there are no friendlies. We will see you next time, guys. Grazie a dopo. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.